promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. The Holy Gospel for this holy name of Jesus Sunday comes from Luke chapter 2, beginning at the 21st verse. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated and let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. And at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. I thank God every Christmas that my family and I have not been sucked into that cult of the elf on the shelf. You know what I mean? The little red tyrant that, uh, that takes over Christmas now, especially on social media. Uh, maybe some of you do it. It's okay. God forgives you. Jesus still loves you. I might not, but Jesus does. Uh, but, you know, it started out as this thing where you would move around the house, and it was sort of this pagan stalker, this forward scout for Santa, that it was supposed to be like, you know, telling the kids, Santa sent one of his minions, one of his little demon spawn to watch you, to make sure you're being good, because, you know, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm... Yeah, all this, all these, uh, these, these fears and, and these, these uh, expectations of our children. Well, now with social media, it's gotten even worse. Now, as a parent, you have to come up with 24 different poses or scenes for every Advent day. Gone are the days of the joy of the chocolate-filled Advent calendar. Now it's this painfully horrible tradition of Chippy the Elf being covered in like blue icing because he ate a Smurf or something, you know, or, or played with the toilet paper or whatever. I don't know. Like many traditions, though, whether they be new or they be old, whether it's this elf on the shelf thing or, or whatever, they often become for us prisons of expectations and obligations. Uh, we, we hold to this thing or else kind of a mantra in our lives. Uh, God forbid, for instance, that you forget to move the elf one, one night and you got to get up at dawn before everybody and like chuck the elf into the bathroom or something and hope wherever it lands, the kids go, oh, the elf moved, you know, because Christmas, right? Well, this is actually part of the deeper concern that I have as a pastor here for, for a Sunday in which we have a baptism. But, but also just overall within the church where we've taken so many things that are traditions and rituals and customs and, and rites of passage and liturgies and all these things, and we've turned them into expectations. We've turned them into obligations. We've taken what is supposed to be gift, what is supposed to be gospel, and we've made it into law. And that's, that's the heart of the sinner. We want to take everything that God gives to us freely, and we turn it into something that, oh, you better do this or else. Uh, so, so, for instance, circumcision. Circumcision, it's, I'm not going to go into detail, parents, don't worry. Uh, but circumcision was given as a gift to the people of Israel. You can go back to Genesis 17. 
And this is what, what God says. He's, he's speaking to Abram, not Abraham yet. Uh, Genesis 17, beginning at the first verse, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you. Listen to that covenant, contract, will, testament, whatever word you want to use, is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I've made you the father of a multitude of nations. I'll make you exceedingly fruitful and I'll make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you. Here we hear that again. Covenant, the promise, the, the, the contract between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. Listen to this. To be God to you and to your offspring after you. What's the covenant? What's the, what's the covenant that God is making? To be a God for you. Have you thought of that? We, we always want to think of these covenants as these contracts, of these things that we have to fulfill or, or whatnot. But God's covenant with us is that, oh, you have a God. That's the very beginning of the Ten Commandments, correct? I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods. God's covenant with the people of Israel is that I'm going to be your God. You're not going to have any other gods. I'm going to be your God. I'm actually giving myself to you. I can give myself to anybody else, but I'm giving myself to you. That's the, that's the covenant that is made. And then after that, he says, this is my covenant, which you shall keep. Verse 10, between me and you and your offspring after you, every male among you shall be circumcised. Circumcision was not the covenant. Circumcision was not the promise. Circumcision was the sign of the promise. It was a permanent thing, because it is kind of permanent. Sorry. But it is a permanent thing in which God says, I am your God. You have a God. This is the gift I'm giving to you. I'm giving you myself, the everlasting God, and I have chosen you. And I'm going to give you a sign so that you will not forget it. But just like all the sinners and all of us, the law became What? When eight days were fulfilled, you better get that kid circumcised. You better fulfill the law. You better fulfill that eight days. Or if we want to take it within the church, oh, you better get that baby baptized. Why? Fire insurance? Why? What's the, what's the point? We're, we're going to go through this nice little ceremony because, oh, it's just going to cover things and, and make sure, just in case... That, that, we're, that we're good to go. But what gets lost in that? What gets lost in that is the reality of the promise, of the covenant, of God giving himself to you freely. It's not about circumcision. It's not about baptism. It's about the promise that is given. So when God comes to us, as one who makes promises, what we have to realize is that we have to remember this, that a promise is not law for us. When someone makes you a promise, it's not coming to you as law. It is coming to you as gift. If I promise to do something, all you have to do is believe me that I'm going to do it. Trust me. The law is actually in the hands of who? The promiser, right? The person makes, making the promise is now under the law to say, I'm going to do this. We just do what? We wait, we receive, we get those things. 
as this promise. We receive whatever is promised. When he comes to us and, and he becomes this God who makes promises and he's one who keeps them, I've wondered over the many years that I've been doing church work, either as a pastor or not, if we can understand that. Because we have lives that are filled with broken promises. Am I right? How many times have we had promises made that have been broken? Broken marriages, broken dreams of futures never seen, broken, broken spirits due to uh, uh, depression, anxiety. What can a promise mean? For you today, this morning, this new year, uh, if, if you have a history of disappointment, what can it mean for you? Because that's the God that we have, is a promise-making God. A God who says, I will. And we say, okay, I'm going to trust you. Circumcision was not the promise, as I said. It was the sign of the promise as a reminder, even at the worst of times, there, there's no undoing it, right? There's, there's no way to, to reverse that sort of a thing. Uh, th- that permanent sign was given so that no sin, no fear, no death could keep you from remembering that you have a God who is a God who has given himself to you. Baptism, although it's, it's not exactly the same, comes with that Permanence. Uh, there will be pictures. We have a, We have a, We have a certificate with her name on, so she can remember, right? But we've got. We've got. A, we've got a candle for her to light on, on her baptismal birthday, January first, every year. Nikki, you need to remember that it includes presents, family presents. <laughs> Another birthday, but there's enough there of a reminder to be able to remember that there's a sign that, that has gone with a particular promise that has been attached to some water. It's part of the reason why when I teach parents, adults, teens about baptism, you know, we have this baptismal font at the back of the church, so when you come in, you can dip your fingers in there and be reminded of your baptism, but you also know when you can do it? Washing your hands. Doing the dishes, taking a shower, taking a bath, watering the garden. That water is there, which water is life, right? That, that water is there to remind you that you've been given new life in Christ. So every single time you can be reminded that there is this promise that's been given to you by God who keeps his promises. The second thing that, that, that we run into a problem with is that um, there's a name attached to it, right? There's a name attached to it. He was called Jesus. I'm not going to go into too much detail on this because Pastor Chris talked about it on Christmas Eve. I talked about it on Christmas Day. You've probably heard enough about it, but Jesus' name means what? God saves or God is salvation. Where this name gets proclaimed over us in our baptism, we, we get handed this name as the promise and it becomes this declaration of what God is going to be doing. Both declaration 2,000 years ago at his circumcision and a declaration in our baptism each and every day that this God who is the God who saves, who makes a promise in that word, and the promise in that name is going to do what he says. In baptism, Jesus' name is spoken over us and we receive everything in which circumcision once represented. When Nikki comes forward, uh, she's now in the will. That's how we like to talk about it. 
She's in the inheritance, and she's under that promise. Not only that, but the sign made over her comes with this, this washing that pours out upon her the gracious word of God that is attached to, to this Jesus as the God who saves her from her sin, from death, from the devil, things that, that we often take for granted. And then this promise is spoken over her into her ears, even at a young age, as, as one whom God has decided over. God has made a decision over her and said, she is mine. Just like every little Jewish boy would be reminded that he belongs to someone else. Now for Nikki, now for you, you belong to someone else. Today is the the feast of the holy name of Jesus. It's eight days from Christmas, if you do the math, right? Eight days from Christmas. And it's a day to remember that, that Christ's ministry begins even at the very beginning of his existence in the world because he, he is, is circumcised and his name is placed over him to be able to say this is what he's come to do. But, but at the same time, I, as I said in, the, in our welcome, I love the fact that the Holy Name of Jesus Festival falls on January 1st because it's always a new year, right? And I'm sure many of you have made particular resolutions, I'm sure uh, uh, 760 Fitness or whatever is going to be really busy for like the next week and a half. <laughs> so you might want to get there early. Um, I'm sure that, that all of you got cookbooks for, for Christmas or, or whatever the case may be. I'm sure, men, if your wives are the cooks in the family, you're going to be suffering for the next month or so because you'll be eating a lot of vegetables and fruit and, and those sorts of things because we've got to watch your cholesterol. But come February... It's all off the table, and then Lent comes, and you can give up chocolate, and it's, it's all good. But holy name of Jesus being attached to January 1st is good because uh, in our baptism, you're made a, a new you. might not look like it at all, and you might, uh, Nikki's going to wake up tomorrow morning, and, and her parents are going to say, well, nothing really changed. What's up with this? But in our baptism, we are made a new creation in Christ. As Paul tells us, we are buried with him by our baptism into his death, and we are raised to new life. That as the the new year begins, we are able to remember this morning that in our baptism, the Lord's name was put over us so that we are part of a new family with new beginnings where God's promise is a permanent thing put over us and cannot be stolen from us, reminding us that every day in Jesus is a new year. Every day, a new beginning. So I said, when Nikki comes forward in just a little bit with her family, to be made new in Jesus, don't allow to to see this as, oh, this is just some sort of ritual that we do and we get it out of the way and it's all good. Don't, Don't allow that to tear you away from the joy of the gift and the promise of Christ, especially since we are still in the season of Christmas. May the promise of God being your God be seen in this child being baptized. Because we baptize not out of demand or obligation, although Christ has told us to go and baptize. But we do it because God has chosen a child such as Nikki to be a resident in the kingdom. Amen? Amen. And maybe we need to remember that we were her once. We forget that all the time, don't we? We think ourselves better than the least of these among us. That's why Jesus has to talk about it quite often, right? First will be last and the last will be first. Disciples try to keep the little children away and he says, suffer the little children to come to me. 
Maybe we need to remember that we were young once, we were new, we were small. Because when we remember that, then when Christ comes to us, we lay aside all the obligations, we lay aside all the expectations and realize that it is in him that we have our life, that we have no future hope apart from him. And what a joy that Nikki will now have that as her story too. What a gift at Christmas time. Amen? Amen. Well, Merry Christmas to you. Happy New Year. Thanks be to God. Amen.